Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hey, Changemaker, it's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I am here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. All right, I am so, so glad to be talking to you all today. In the month of August, we have tons of great content coming your way. I am super excited to share with you my specific formulated grants formula. All right, this will be in my revised Wish Granted book, which is actually going to be renamed the Beginner's Grant Guide. So we'll figure that out a little bit (laughs) as we're moving forward on that. So I'm really excited. Um, So I'm super happy to share the grants formula with you before the book is even released. So additionally, I just created a downloadable and five-day mini video series um, that you can visit at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 83. So this is great if you're interested in getting the grants formula. So awesome. All right. So the grants formula, it's an acronym and it is my proven framework for when you are going to start writing a grant. This formula will provide a foundation to setting up a competitive and winning grant structure. So today we are going to talk about the first letter of the acronym, the G, which stands for get the FOA or RFP and use it as a template. All right, guys, so you got to get something. You got to get it first. You got to get the FOA or RFP. So that's a funding opportunity announcement or the request for proposal. And this formula will help you get unstuck when writing a grant. A lot of you email me and say you're struggling with the learning process of writing grants and getting experience of even writing them. Well, this formula will help you when landing your first grant writing gig or writing your first grant for the nonprofit that you work at. This formula will also help you go from staring at a blank page and being overwhelmed with having to develop a draft in no time at all, right? So we're going to go from being overwhelmed and having nothing in blank to having a draft. Like after you listen to this today, you should be able to have a draft. What? For real. All right. So yes, the first step of writing any grant is to utilize the announcement or application as a draft to your grant. Before we get into the podcast today, I want to give all of you out there who downloaded my book, Wish Granted, Tips, Tools, and Templates to Write a Winning Grant, and I also want to say thank you to all of those who wrote a review on my podcast, Grant Writing and Funding. So yeah, I asked you guys a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, can you help me? Um, It's my birthday. I'm turning 43. So can you help me get to 43 reviews on my podcast? And I'm at 46 reviews now. So thank you so much. Um, That's amazing. It's super exciting. And as part of that, I said, hey, um, I had my my book, my ebook available for free for a couple of days around my birthday. So I was giving you a gift in return. And um, a few hundred of you guys downloaded the book. So thank you for that. And what you guys did was it was really cool. I I wasn't really expecting this at all. I was just like, I want to give something in return for those people who write reviews. And the book 
it bounced up to number one in three categories on Amazon. So you guys just helped me get back up to Amazon bestseller again <laughs> in a few different categories. So that was pretty cool. So that was a bonus birthday present. Absolutely. Um, and it's actually still up pretty high in some categories. So that's really, really cool. So thank you. And I hope you enjoy the book. Please do leave a review on Amazon um, if you enjoy the book or send me an email at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. As part of you guys leaving the reviews on iTunes for the podcast, um, the podcast, it hit number one in government organizations in Kenya, number four in Saudi Arabia, and it went all the way up to number 53 in the United States, as well as it went up in charts all over the world in different countries for that specific category. So that was really, really cool, too. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so many birthday presents, <laughs> which were totally needed as on my birthday, I spent 15 hours writing a grant. So, yes, that was needed as I was like, oh, my gosh, I need some like good little eye mind candy coming in here and there as I'm working on this grant. So, but yeah, that is the life of grant writers. Sometimes even on our birthdays, we're writing grants because we really want to help benefit other communities and everything like that. So it was really exciting for me. Anyways, that was crazy. So thank you so much for your support as you really gave me a wonderful birthday present. And I'd love to give a shout out right now for one of the reviews I got on Amazon. I'm super excited. Um, this is from A Word. And um, they say, the toolkit for change makers. It blows my mind how much value Holly brings to the grant writing community with this podcast. Not only is her approach easy to digest, but the tools she shares are invaluable to folks working with nonprofits or simply change makers in the making. From grant writing tips and tricks to tools on how to write an eye-catching press release, you're bound to find something that makes you a more effective and funded world changer. Not only that, but many of her episodes are accompanied by templates and hard copy materials. Tune in for a few minutes of her playful enthusiasm as you're bound to get hooked. Thank you so much, Award. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful review. Like, oh, she writes wonderfully. That's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that you enjoy listening to the podcast and getting, like you mentioned, all of the freebies that I give out on this, all the action items. So I really appreciate that as you mean so much to me. Thank you. All right, so let's get into those tricks now with our grants formula, right? So we have a lot of tricks, um, like she says, right? We do in our in our podcast. So as we move into our grants formula, like I said, each letter is an acronym, so it stands for different things. So our G stands for get the FOA or RFP and use them as a template. And remember, there is a free downloadable and mini series on the into speaking of freebies <laughs> on the entire grants formula: six proven steps to write powerful and competitive grant. So you can definitely check that out on grant writing and funding. All right, so let's get into it, um, into the G today. So you first, first, before you even start writing a grant, uh, what, tell me what to do, Holly. Well, you got to find a grant. We're not going to go into grant research, but we are going to go into the point where you're going to download that funding opportunity announcement or the request for proposal. That's what FOA and RFP stand for. And I'll be referring to these acronyms throughout this podcast. So there are three things that you need to do. Here's a checklist for the G, right? The first thing you need to do is you need to read the entire FOA or RFP. And yes, I do need to say this, right? So you actually need to get it and then you need to read it. 
And then the second thing you need to, to know is that every grant is different. So remember this, just because you've downloaded one FOA or RFP and you think, okay, now I know what the exact structure needs to be. It's not necessarily true because every single grant is different. Every single FOA, every single RFP is different. Even if you've been submitting, say, if you've been submitting to a federal grant program every year, so maybe you submit to a specific grant, the SK grant for NOAA, right? Every single year you're submitting to that and you say, I already have the format down. I know what to write. I don't even need to read the, the FOA anymore. That is totally, totally wrong because the FOA does change even within the organizations. Um, an example of this is the Administration for Native Americans uh, Social and Economic Development Strategies Grant. That's a grant I've written many times. And, you know, for the first whatever few years I was writing it, it was almost always exactly the same, the FOA, right? But then with the new administration coming in, it changed, right? A lot of it, like it changed a lot. It was almost like a different FOA completely. And that happens when new administrations come in, right? When you have new directors of organizations, they want to come in and they want to reevaluate some things. Or maybe they're getting a lot of feedback from the reviewers or from the applicants and they know some things need to change. So things change based on money. They, they change based on, on people. They change based on feedback. So there's a lot of things that you have to consider. So every time it comes up, even if you've, you've written the same grant before, you want to make sure you read it and that you remember that it can be different. All right, the third thing that we're going to talk about today is that you're going to keep all your items that are requested by the FOA or RFP and use them as criteria for headers in your application. And I'm going to talk about this more. This is how you're going to go in a blink of an eye from blank page to draft. All right, so just what the heck is FOA? You might be asking this. Well, we touched this a bit, um, but to reiterate it, remember it stands for Funding Opportunity Announcement, and this is general lingo with federal grants. But other terms also include the RFP, which is Request for Proposal, or sometimes RFA, which is Request for Application. And yes, as a grant writer, you will be able to wrap yourself into a blanket of acronyms that you will actually understand and remember at some point in time. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get through this today. So the first thing, like I said, you need to read it, right? So in any case, the first step you want to complete is to actually read the entire FOA RFP and use this as your outline. And the good old RFP or our, our FOA is the information published by the funding source that tells you what they want you to write. And for federal grants, they usually refer to this as the FOA. For foundation grants, they sometimes refer to it as FOA or they sometimes usually call it the RFP. So that's kind of why I'm using both of these main words because federal grants, always FOA, um, but sometimes they call them RFP, but mostly it's FOA. And then on foundation grants, the same thing, mostly RFP, but sometimes FOA. So there you go. But sometimes they can call it something completely different. So usually it has something with funding or proposal in the word. So the FOAs, the funding opportunity announcements, um, generally include the priority and mission of the funding agency. So what they are looking to achieve with the grant funding, eligibility, who can actually apply, deadlines when the grant is due, Technical requirements, and this is font size, margins, page number limitations, etc. Sections they want you to respond to, such as the needs, budget, etc. Scoring criteria, so how many points they're going to give to each section. 
what attachments are required. So sometimes this is you need to have the IRS tax exempt 501c3 page, right? You need to have that. Or sometimes you need to have your um, tax, something for relevant tax or something about your, your tax nature, right? And the contact information. So who you can contact at the agency for more information. Their email's usually there and sometimes their phone number. Now this may sound basic, and it is. It, this is basic information that you need for, from a grant, right? But the simplicity can be overshadowed by grant jargon speak, pages and pages of grant requirements, etc. So what do I mean by this? Well, a typical federal FOA can be up to 70 pages long because of required attachments and drawn out information, and it can look and feel very complicated. But remember, the information that I just outlaid in there is the one that what you're going to need to look for. And I'm going to give you a sample. We're going to go over a sample today so I can we can really break it down in a simple way. But other times, some FOAs are only four pages long and you're dying for more information. You're like, come on, this is it. Ah. So sometimes too inf- few information is more confusing than too much. So you may be scratching your head. Well, the good news, like I had mentioned, there is usually a point of contact the program officer information included in the FOA. Now that is great. You can contact these people and they are real people and ask any additional questions if you have them, you know. So that's really good. I've done that quite often. I think it's underutilized, honestly. I think a lot of people think, oh my gosh, I can't contact those people. They're too, whatever. But they're not too distant. They're not too important. They're not too, this is their job. And they do usually get back to you. And they're usually really great about getting back to you. But just be aware that there are usually cutoff dates to ask questions. And that's why the first thing is read it, right? You need to know when those deadlines are and everything. You need to read the FOA. Okay, so for foundation grants, as I mentioned, they are a little bit different. Foundation grants are usually, but not always, easier to understand. More often than not, foundations are now putting their applications, their FOAs, RFPs, into an online application system. And this is great as it will walk you through the process of the application. But what I have found is that some of these are new processes, right? And all the kinks haven't been worked out. So be sure to go through the process early. If you can get through the, because sometimes you have to fill out information to get to the next page and everything like that. And if you haven't done the, you haven't like done the research or whatnot to get that information, you may just wait. But I would just try to put in something, just save it as a draft, don't submit it yet, just so you can get through the whole thing so you can read it, right? So you can read what they're asking Um, because you don't want to get to the last page and be like, oh my gosh, I need this attachment and I don't have time to get it now because I'm now it's the day before it's due or whatnot, right? So you want to make sure you can kind of go through that process. Also, make sure if you're looking at, if you have an online application, make sure you just don't go to the grant application on the foundation website. You don't read anything else on the website. Also go to their other links, right? On their website, which is especially like the mission, the about section, the vision, all of that. You want to read that because that might not be in the online application process. And that is important information that you can weave into your grant so you really understand the ethos of the foundation. All right, so let's move on to the next step within the G for grants. And that is just once again pointing out that all FOAs and RFPs are not created the same. 
it is up to the federal agency or the foundation to create their own structure. So foundation FOAs or RFPs all look extremely different. Some foundations want you to submit, like I said, via online application. Others require a hard copy application delivered, but still most ask for the same elements. So don't be freaked out on their format. You know, just really consider what the information is. So how do you save like a jillion hours and actually be on point when crafting your proposal? When these all look so different? Well, that's the third element. Make the FOA criteria your grant application headers. What do I mean by this? Well, how you respond to a FOA or RFP can feel challenging. Where do you start? right? You've got, you've opened up a blank Microsoft Word doc or whatever you used to type, and now you've got to dissect the FOA or RFP. What do you do? Well, a first step you might want to consider is to download the RFP or FOA and actually utilize it. And a lot of times these are PDFs, right? Usually you don't get Word docs, so you might say, oh, okay, well, I can't really use it still. Sometimes you can copy and paste PDFs, but it looks kind of funky. But otherwise you can also change it into a Word doc using free online software. And I, I do that quite often. Um, I have a couple of links on the, on the blog here, so you can definitely go over and check out grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 83 to get those links. But I use a lot of things free online, and you can just go ahead and say upload the PDF, and then it turns it into a Word doc for you. And that is so nice <laughs> to have that done for you. So that is something you can consider, or you can just um, try to copy and paste it, or you can try to work with it. But how do I mean by turn things into headers, right? Maybe that's pretty self-explanatory, but I want to give you the sample or the example that I was talking about. So just to give you a real world example of how you would actually use this as your headers and then respond to it. In my Changemaker membership, my company has started to fund a micro-grant program where I'm actually giving out, just we're starting with very small, small, small mini-grants um, that are only eligible for the Changemaker members. In this way, I wrote up an RFP and sent it out to the members. For this RFP, I included the mission of grant writing and funding, and that is to create effective systems that simplify the nonprofit process, grow capacity, and increase funding for grant writers. I gave a background about grant writing and funding and why the microgrant fund was created. And if you're interested in knowing why I created the fund, it was in response to the needs of my members. Many of them said that they were at the point of wanting to learn how to write grants, but hadn't had the experience yet. So I asked them, I said, hey, would you be interested in competing for a grant within the membership? And they were like, yes, please. <laughs> so in this way, they have an opportunity to write a grant have it reviewed by a grant expert, <laughs> get feedback on their grant, and possibly win a bit of cash. Not too shabby, right? So in any case, within the RFP, I also included the priorities. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to make this. So before I get into this, right, I said, I'm going to make this RFP, and I'm going to put the information that is generally in different RFPs or FOAs. And then I'm going to be very strict on my guidelines so they can really get a taste of what it feels like to apply for a grant. So I had the mission there. I put the priorities. I gave the background of why I created it. And I also included the priorities to the programs, right, to be on innovation, diversity, and sustainability. I also included the eligibilities that they have to be a member. I tell them that they can apply the funding toward the nonprofit they work at, if applicable, the nonprofit of their choice possibly one of their clients, 
or towards their own grant writing business. Like I keep this very open, right? Because I understand these are the types of different members that I have. And I understand the micro grant isn't a lot of cash, but I let them uh, know that by developing the grant, they may be able to use it as a framework to apply for other grants because they're gonna get that feedback as well, right? So I also include the scheduling and submission deadline. And this way I let them know where to email the grant application and what the email subject line even is to be used and when the award is estimated to be made. So very, very similar to what you're gonna find in FOAs and what you need to be looking for in these FOAs and RFPs as you read them, okay guys? All right, so then I also lay out the funding criteria by asking relevant questions such as, how does your grant project relate to the priorities, mission, and vision of grant writing and funding? Um, which is my company name, uh, showcase your need by including relevant statistics, documentation, and other information, describe what the benefit will be, what are the main goals, objectives, and timeline, include SMART objectives, and then I, I say what those are, and what the timeline is for act each activity, who will implement the activity and by when, how will the project be rolled out, i.e. who will be in charge, are there any partners, or is there a selection process, and then of course I go into the budget, what is the amount requested, including a budget and budget narrative, and then attachments, I say just include a minimum of a resume. Added points for letters of support, organizational chart, quotations, etc. So here they know what to include in the grant, right? This is like, oh, okay, it's all coming together. This is what I need to be writing about. And then, of course, I include in the RFP what the formatting is required. And the formatting, what this means is I put in specifically and once again, you're going to see this a lot in FOAs or RFPs. I say use Times New Roman 12 point font. Graphs can be 10 point font, double space, one inch margins. So I'm very specific and that is very common. I'm not trying to be <laughs> like a pain. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm replicating what is what is going to be asked of other RFPs, other FOAs. And then finally, I give them the scoring criteria on how the grant will be scored. And a lot of times, especially in foundation grants, this is not included. Ah, and it should be. But if it is, this is what you really need to focus on. So I say relevance to priorities, mission, vision of grant writing and funding, 10%. Right, so 10% of your score is going to be here. Demonstrated need and benefit, 20%. Project goal, objectives, and timeline, 30%. Project design, 25%. The budget, 10%. And attachments, 5%. So in all of this, they're able to say, okay, out of 100%, out of 100 points, basically, these are how many points or how much percentage for each part. So this is, I really need to spend a lot of time, right? And this is forcing them to spend a lot of time on their project goal, objectives, and timeline, because that for me is the meat of your entire project. So all of this is to say that this is basically what FOAs and RFPs request majority of the time. And I'm being stringent on deadlines and formats because I'm mimicking how other funding sources do this so that all members become better grant writers and learn how to write an excellent grant. 
I use this as an example because it highlights what you should really be looking for when reading your RFP or FOA, right? I mean, this, when I typed it out, it just took up about a page. Like, so it's really all the 70 pages, really the information that you need to get is going to be in a certain amount of those pages, but it's good to read the entire thing so you get the language of how they talk, right? You wanna kind of reemphasize that same kind of language in your grant. You wanna understand really what this is all, all about, why they're giving away funding so you develop the best project or any project you already have developed really meets, meets the, the mission of the funding source. Now, how do you go from the blank page to grant draft? Well, once again, you're gonna have to just, I would say, just copy and paste it. And then you, you delete all the stuff that you don't need, but then you have your structure, right? So in example to this, I would definitely focus on the scoring criteria. And that is the last section that I just read. If they don't have that, then definitely go ahead and lock in what those relevant questions are for the funding criteria. That's very, very important. So all you'd have to do in response to this is all of a sudden, you already have your headers now. You have relevance to grant writing and funding priorities, mission, and vision. So you already have that. So underneath that, you could write a note to yourself. Here, review grant writing and funding's priorities, mission, and vision, and align the nonprofit's project with each of these items. Bam. So all of a sudden, now you just kind of like can start typing in notes to yourself on what you need to do, right? So number two, the demonstrated needs and benefits. And like I said, these would be headers. Here, do research and use stats to show the needs and also show the benefits to the community. So bam, you already have like, now you know what you need to go and do. Number three, project goal, objectives, and timeline. So here's your note to yourself. Create a project goal that is related to a community goal. Create a smart objective and include a timeline graph. Perfect. Number four, project design. Here's your question to yourself or your notes. How will the project be rolled out? Do we need to hire anyone who oversees who? How will we select beneficiaries? Is there a sustainability model developed? So these are all things that you can consider. Number five, amount requested. How much do we need? Does it meet the cap of the grant? Are we leveraging any other funds? So that's when you can go ahead and you can start, oh, okay, now I know what I need to start looking for. And number six, attachments. Do we need to add any specific attachments such as resumes, letters of support, IRS, nonprofit status? And if you read the RFP, you would know that yes, you need to include a minimum of a resume and you get additional points for other attachments. So you could go ahead and you could put that in your notes as well. But now you went immediately from, if you just downloaded the RFP that I have there, and we're like, bam, you know, here's the scoring criteria, and then you put those all as headers, and then you started writing yourself notes. You all of a sudden have a draft for your grant. Ta-da! You've gone from blank page to actually having the template to your grant, and you know what steps you need to do next. So all of that right away to be like, okay, I need to start doing uh, needs my research. I need to start developing a goal. Da, 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 da. So now you know what to do and you have like some, some way to go forward, already a framework. So this step may be a no brainer for some of you, but I hope it has helped some of you out there as most often it is the simplest steps that will help you become a competent and efficient grant writer. This initial step just sets you up so you completely understand the grant and maybe avoid writing it all together and wasting your time if you're not eligible, and saves you from the overwhelm of the grant writer's block, right? You don't wanna have the grant writer's block where you can't actually write anything because you don't even know where to start. You now have basically a draft 
So what's next? Well, next week I'm going to go over the R in the grants formula, research needs and target demographic. If you can't wait to know all about this, then go ahead and jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 83 to get your free cheat sheet and mini video series on the grant formula. All right, guys, have a great week. I'll see you next week. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe, and discounts on grant services, be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com.